Welcome back to the Upper Chair, folks, the football podcast we bring you each and every week over there on YouTube. Head over there, smash that subscribe and bell notification button. For audio versions of the show, we have Spotify, Google Podcasts and Amazon Music. This is your Monday mashup. I'm joined by the panel this week, a fuller panel this week, I might add. Joining me, as always, my partner on the podcast, The Dazzler. How are we, Darren? I'm all good, brother. I am all good. Good. And straight on the back of the Chelsea Roar. How are we, Ian? Eh, good. Good, <laughs> excellent. Off the back of good results, but I'm good. And our resident referee who has lost the plot with that jersey is hanging behind him. Mark, how are we, Mark? Hello, Madrid. Hello, Madrid. Right, let's get into this. Plenty to talk about this week. Um, not 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 a, not usual for all four of us to, four of us to be on here in a terrible mood with the results, but uh, we'll take it as we say. Let's start. I'll run down through the results anyway. Saturday, no early game, so 3 o'clock, Brentford 3, Southampton 0. Burnley 1, Aston Villa 3. Yes, Stevie G. Chelsea 2, Wolves 2. Palace 1, Wofford 0. Relegated. Happy days. Brighton 4, Man United 0. Uh, that was the 5pm kickoff. And Liverpool 1, Tottenham 1. Was that, was that in the WSL? It was 5-1, yeah. Don't, don't bring up the WSL. The WSL, you, you'll get them, you'll trigger them, you'll get them going. <laughs> um, the 7.45, Liverpool won, Tottenham won, uh, handing mm. the advantage to Man City. Into Sunday, Arsenal 2, Leeds 1, Leeds in uh, serious trouble, and we'll get into talking about that. Leicester 1, Everton 2, huge win for Everton. Norwich nil, West Ham 4, the Hammers nailing the coffin shut on Norwich's Premier League season nearly. Man City 5, Newcastle nil was the Super Sunday. So let's get in and talk about this. Ian, we'll start with Chelsea 2, Wolves 2. Seemed to be in control for large portions of that game and then just faded away. I went downhill when Big Ron came off, didn't I? <laughs> when have I been able to say that all season? <laughs> um, yeah, just do you know what? I was actually mad. I was out. I was out with the dad and the and the, and the brothers, um, for the match, um, out in the gaff, and we it was actually phenomenal. It was like when I heard the stats, uh, about seventy minutes in, it was like Wolves have had fourteen shots on goal. I was like, what the fuck is actually because it, it didn't seem that way. Kind of when we were two 0 up, it was like, all right, we're in control. It's all good here. Um, it just, it just, it was a bit of a madness to be honest with you because we were literally in control, and it was just that same thing: uh, counter attack balls over the top, lads chasing back. It's the same front, not the same front three. I'm not saying individual players, but the same mistakes with the front three and the midfield not linking up and actually chasing as a unit. Um. It was, uh, yeah, it was comical to be honest with you. And and of, we are a charity FC, and and I said it to you on the Chelsea Roar there a while back, Noel. It's charity FC, but the thing is, we didn't really need to give Wolves any charity this week because they've been on the beach for the last two months. It was just um, comedy of errors, to be honest with you. And uh, no excuses. We can all look. I've heard Chelsea fans say, yeah, you know, the Werner goal should have stood, which I do think it should have stood. I think the VAR decision was absolutely comical, to be honest with you. Um, big fucking don't know what what the wolf centre back was that went over like a little fucking sack of shit. But um, the little team I was pushing you over there, you probably need to find a new a new job. Um, 
as a defender. But look, th- th- we can blame the ref, we can blame VAR, we can blame anything. We, we can only blame ourselves because we put ourselves in these decisions. Um, game should have been out of sight uh, with the amount of chances that we created. Um, and I, I think over the, if I'm being honest, overall a 2-2 draw was probably a fair result um, because... Yeah, we didn't put them away and, and Wolves didn't uh, come to play. If I'm going to put my best Dusty Rhodes impression on, we just we just didn't uh, didn't finish the game. It's been a story of our season, really. So, yeah. Big game coming up during the week against Leeds as well, which will be pivotal in the top four race and also in Leeds in terms of relegation. Let's move on to Brighton. I will charity FC, don't worry. We'll, we'll, we'll do Leeds a solid and keep the fucking keep the old relegation battle going. Don't worry about that. Jesse Marr should be happy to hear that. Uh, yeah. Bright, Brighton 4, Man United nil. Mark, um, I don't know how much of this game you caught. Darren, I know you caught it because we were talking about it. Um, this United team seems to be hell-bent on breaking records, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, for the wrong reasons. Um, I think I'll be watching the youth final now went in my chain on the young lads because there's nothing for us to cheer with the senior team this year is that same old story though you know Tellez should have cleared it better obviously they got a lot of uh, a lot of joy over our left hand side which obviously if you go back to the Arsenal game Saka first 10 minutes amount of space he got in uh, they were too narrow at the back then the Chelsea game Reese James was the same you know, how many, many chances did he get over our left-hand side or right-hand side, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, And it was the same again yesterday. And you can only applaud uh, Graham Potter and Brighton for, for taking advantage of it, you know? Um, doing the homework and Gross and, and uh, Sonny Marsh got a lot of space over there. Um, but they, they deserve it. They pressed us high up the pitch. They got their chances. They Welbeck could have chipped the hay. It could have, could have been... Even worse, then he had another great opportunity in the second half as well. Was millimeters Here, when you were post. watching when you were watching when you're watching that chip attempt, right? Because I watched the I watched the highlights when you're watching that chip attempt, and like because I didn't know who the goal scorers were, I didn't get to see it because I was back late. I was like, please tell me that fucking Welbeck didn't chip the head. And I was actually there was part of me that was actually glad that it went down. Yeah, no, we <laughs> listen, he, he done well, he that affected this. Chance in the second half as well. Like I said, millimeters yeah. away from the post, you know. Um, yeah. It was a good effort from about 25 yards out or whatever he was. But listen, our best chance was probably the Bruno shot that, you know, didn't even, like, it was straight at, down the keeper's throw. Didn't really test him at all. So, but listen, I'm not surprised. It's the same old. Um, like I said, I can only applaud Brighton and, and Graham Potter for the performance they put in on Saturday. And it was a well-deserved three points for them and a clean sheet as well for them. Yeah, I'm gonna go to the the Graham Potter fan base here down below me there, and and the, the Marco Cucurella fan base. I would say, Darren, oh, we love both those boys, don't we? We spoke about them all season. By the way, what oh. a player, Cucurella. Fuck me, I'd rather not. But yeah, quality, <laughs> absolutely. Other than looking like Sideshow Bob, he plays like you know one of them, one of the Maldini brothers. Like he's unbelievable. He really is. Um, you know, we tagged him early on in the season. I kind of I'd seen him play a little bit last year in Spain, and I was like, this kid could be could be big in the game over here with Brighton, you know. And he's just gone from strength to strength. It's not often you get players that come in from from Spain and stuff like that and hit the ground running the way the kid did, like because he hasn't had a period of bedding in. He's literally gone into that left back spot since day one. And he's been super defensively for them. He gets them on the front foot, very good with the ball at his feet. Technically, he's good. He defends well. 
His delivery is good, as you've seen. He knows how to put the ball in the in the in the back of the net as well. I was actually going to say to you, I was following him um, since a game that I watched him uh, against the Chelsea youth back before he kind of made his debut with Barcelona, and he actually started out as a winger, and he used to slot. Yeah, he used to the play. Midfield. He played much higher. Yeah, so and then much, he could slot higher. into the mid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So his defensive work is fucking phenomenal for a player that. You know, I think it's an oil. It's, I think it's ideal from the play as part of a back five, isn't it? It yeah, gives him a little 100%. more freedom and stuff like that. You know, I yeah. think if you put him into a back four, you probably wouldn't get the same version of him as as you're getting at Brighton. You know, mm-hmm. but listen, he's he's a phenomenal footballer, the kid. Um, I, I don't I, see him lasting at um at Brighton if he if he's another season like he had this season, he won't be there. I mean, if Tuchel's gonna persist with a back five, he would be a serious option for Chelsea, you know, all depending on how Chilwell comes back for injury. But again, even maybe as a backup situation, um, just phenomenal. If Newcastle decide they're going to go and play five at the back, again, they've got Trippier on one side, they could put the boy Cucurella on the other side. He's yeah. tops. Mm. Unreal. Yeah, and it was a great finish by him as well, because with Lindelof coming finish. out, like there was nowhere else to go with that top corner, you know? Well, I mean, he, he, struck right it, he struck it with power. But he still managed to get the ball to move and to bend, even though he'd struck it with so much power. So it was a tidy, tidy finish for a guy that's that's playing in a, as a left wing back, you know. Um, but listen, Brighton fully deserved their win. They were better absolutely everywhere across the park. Um, I suppose the I was happy enough when when we went into kickoff and we saw there wasn't any changes from the from the Brentford game. So obviously we'd played quite well against Brentford. I think the likes of um, Mata and Matic look like it caught up with them a little bit, you know. Um, now I'm certainly not hanging it on them because it was more than just the two boys, but I just think you know, we know Brighton are a, are a young, they're a youthful side, they get about, they're very, very physically uh, demanding on playing against them, you know. And I just thought maybe something a bit younger to try and match up, like I would have preferred to see Fred in there, you know, because we know he puts himself about and he and he gets he gets. You know the miles under his belt and stuff like that. Um, I think you know when you go in with Matic, obviously you're not going to get that. You'll get a certain control element with Matic that you you won't get with with Fred, but you're not going to get that high energy and that high tempo far enough up the pitch to try and nick the ball and maybe get in and stuff like that. You know, and I have to say, I thought the boy um, Sanchez did well in goal for for Brighton. You know, made a couple of good saves, a great save from the Cavani header and stuff like that in the second half. You know. Um, and he just he dealt with everything very, very comfortably. So, no yeah, Lingard. Was, no Lingard. My heart bleeds for him. I would agree with you, Daz. I think it was a shock to Matt's system because, you know, against yeah. Brentford, he got a lot of time in the ball. They weren't pressing as high, yeah. with playing with that high tempo. And when Brighton were, he just looked a bit kind of, he wasn't up for it really, was he? No, he was off the pace. But I mean, listen, like, like what else do you put in? Do you put in a Rashford who's devoid of any sort of confidence and yeah. you know who who's running down alleys and stuff like that, not able to to keep possession of the ball, which means you're almost playing you know on the bounce all the time with Brighton coming at you. Like that's yeah. t- tough as well. So we understand the reason behind it. But ah, I just absolutely, think, yeah. Like, you know, or, I, I talked to myself, Daz. I don't know if you agree. It would have been an ideal game if we had a James Gardner there to to put him on. You know that type of way, but um, obviously that can be for next season. Like, yeah, we've gone, listen, we're so far down this rabbit hole of, of what's needed now. You know, we, we just need we just need these two final games to get out of the way so the wheels can start turning on next season because 
I don't think I don't think any of us could have envisaged it was going to go the way it went this season, you know. Mm. Yeah, you're finishing up. It's a huge job for Ten Hag coming in, isn't it? Because you're finishing up with your lowest points total in the league and you're also finishing up 56 goals conceded, your most in 44 years. You know what? I actually think that's a slight, it's a slight help for Ten Hag. Because if you think of how absolutely dreadful would be, we've been. So we've got our asses handed to us by Liverpool twice, Watford, Brighton, Arsenal, you know, everybody's kicked the arsehole out of us. We couldn't possibly be this bad next season. There's, there's no human way with, uh, with, a, with a decent coach, even if we made no signings, we'd be a better side next season because we'd have somebody tactically going in there and trying to make the team play a different way. And a I'm sure he's going to, he will yeah. have a system, we'll have a style of play. He's going to drill lads on what he's looking for from them. You know, like expect to see, you know, two fullbacks that go on the outside, two inverted wingers that come on the inside and stuff like that. We have that in our squad. We haven't played it. We keep playing Sancho on the left, which means he has to go down the outside. Play him on the right, then get inside onto his left foot. You know, like there's little things that are going to make a big difference. We absolutely need an overhaul of the squad. We know that. So so I think with, with, with the additions that are going to be made, with the changing in the coaching setup and stuff like that, like I think next season, with, with the way things went so poorly at the end of this season, I think United fans, like that, their expectations are as low as they've ever been. Which if you're a new manager coming in, that's going to help you because they're not expecting miracles just yet. They starting know the squad lower, has to... You're starting from a lower base, yeah? Absolutely. Yeah. So you I mean, if he goes worse. in... You can't, you, you possibly, you can't possibly. So if he goes in and does any sort of a job and all of a sudden, you know, let's say we're, we're, we're playing the likes of Liverpool and City and we're in a game, then we beat us by the odd goal, but we're in the game. We've met, we're creating chances. We're being competitive. Yeah, you're not that's, what, that's what, that's what, we're not getting pumped. That's what fans expect. And if, if that happens next season, that'll be a huge step forward, regardless of league position for me. Mm. Yeah. You shall wait and see. It'll be interesting to see how it all pans out in the summer. And, and obviously interesting um, reaction comments coming from Ralph as well, where he said he had, he had recommended three forwards and all this kind of stuff and the board had said no. And um, some people are saying they're not sure whether that was the case or not or whether it's Ralph trying to save face or what it is. I'm not too sure. But it, it's a kind of a weird one as well because he's, he's going to step into this consultancy role as and he's also doing the Austria job as well. But... Um, like he's throwing the owners under the bus at every opportunity, really, isn't he? <laughs> Sounds like it needs to be done, though. Yeah, and and I think, like, I could absolutely see how he was gonna suggest the three names he did. Do you know what I mean? Um, and I mean, early on in January, there was talk of the boy Alvarez, and and even pre pre Christmas and stuff like that. Yeah, you were our favourites actually to get him at one point. We were favourites to get him at yeah. one point. That's correct. Yeah. And then you've obviously got Diaz, who was tearing it up in, in Portugal. He was yeah. linked with Spurs. He was linked with Liverpool. It was a couple of links with AC Milan and stuff like that. But, you know, and then and then obviously everybody was interested in the boy Vlavic. Everybody was interested in the boy Vlavic. Yeah, we talked true. about it. We said, listen, we want them. Arsenal wanted them. The money wasn't there for Arsenal. Like, I can, I can sort of understand from, from the board's point of view, if we know this guy is only short term, we can't go again and, and divvy into this money that maybe he signs a player that Ten Hag doesn't want. Do you know? Because you've already had that. You've already got the Donny van der Beek. You've already got the Harry Maguire. 
say play devil's advocate then uh does like say he is going to be right he's your next director of football whatever whatever you want to call it yeah um there should have automatically been a line of communication open then between him and ten hag because obviously the ten hag thing has been known for quite a while do you know what i mean yeah but i wouldn't say it's been stitched up since january no, and that's, that's, that's no. That's that's, 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 the problem that's fair. Is, that's fair. You know, because yeah. at that stage, I mean, there was probably still, I'd say, a lot of fans probably thought we were still going to end up with Pochettino. That was the main sure. talk back in January, wasn't it? It was Poch. You was know, the boy actually yeah, there. and 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 if you go and you boy of Lavic and then Poch comes in and he wants a Harry Kane, you've got a massive dilemma. Yeah. So I mean, I think it it's, it probably wasn't the worst idea, although it's affected the squad massively going through the season because we've been short of goals. But I can see why. They weren't gonna sanction something like that in January when you know you're gonna have somebody new behind the wheel in, in June. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Let's move on to the evening game. Liverpool won Tottenham one. This is one that uh I was pretty downhearted and disappointed in to say the least. Um it's mad like we we've had such a good season. We've reached the three finals, we've been in a title race till the last three games. And then this one game comes up and rips the heart out of me like it's madness. You but, bottled um, it against the bottlers. Eh, I wouldn't go that far as saying we bottled it now. I mean, we... we um, but you didn't win, so... No, but that doesn't mean we bottled it. I mean, we certainly tried and we certainly pushed to try and win and stuff like that, but it just didn't pan out. But I think um, some of the in-game management wasn't what it should be. I think if we were going to put that amount of crosses in, I wouldn't have been bringing on Kate. I would have been bringing on Origi. Because um, I think he would have given us a better option in the box for those corners and stuff Good like point. that. Yeah. Um, but I, ju- I just think, I just think, look, I think there's a bit of naivety there from Klopp when he faces Conte as well. I think he should know what he's about to face at this stage and he should have a better game plan or at least have a game plan that goes in and if it's repetitive and it's not working, have a B plan where you go in there with something different. I thought we could have done more work up through the middle rather than constantly out on the wings and being predictable. Um, I thought hats off to Spurs I thought from Conte it was a masterclass um, and I think they knew exactly what they were doing and I thought the defence which I didn't think was going to be that good Bar Romero I thought was really really good even the boy Emerson Royale actually impressed me and he's been quite disappointing in recent times but I thought he did a real good job uh, at the weekend there frustrated us look we were always going to need a big result from City at some stage um, to fall um, I noticed that with Noel, we, we, even we, we were talking earlier um, mm. about the when you go back to early in the season, the, the Chelsea game when we went down to 10 men at mm. Anfield. Um, there seems to be almost a, a type where Liverpool just go and they go for those crosses into the box and hope to almost kind of just... Choke the yeah, and, out of and what happens is out of frustration as well, they start trying stupid things. And what they're doing is they're just, they're just, yeah. they're not crossing balls into the box, whipping them in with real purpose, trying to pick someone out. They're just floating them in there, expecting a knockdown to land at one of us and to bang it into the back of the net. So there's yeah. no real purpose to it. And even with the amount of corners and stuff that we get, and I've mentioned it in previous shows as well, I don't think the return off our corners is enough considering we've two boys up there that likes it. Van Dijk and Kanate, I think we could be getting a bit more. In recent times, Kanate has been scoring one or two, but I think for the amount of corners we produce and the amount of set pieces in the box, and you've seen it even with Van Dijk there as well, I think it was in the um, the previous game, he had had two real good chances as well and he didn't put them away. One went far post and the other one came off the top of the bar and stuff like that. So it was just it was just a frustration, a frustrating night at the office 
obviously we'd like the title race so it's still continuing mathematically and stuff like that but obviously what what really uh, what really hurt it obviously was Man City then on Sunday going out and absolutely pumping Newcastle it didn't help as well because not only have they a three point gap now but they've also got a four goal uh, cushion in the goal difference um, which doesn't help either but as I said look we'll keep on going right till it can't be done there's no doubt we'll, we'll push on and we'll fight on on it but it's really really tough now and I think it would kill me if it came down to goal difference. Really, really tough. So I think I, I it'd be all right on that think, one, if I'm honest. Yeah, I don't. Th- I don't think it's going to. Like, I'll be honest with you. You know, all joking aside, Noel, with Liverpool fans all week talking about mentality monsters, mentality monsters. I actually thought, and I, I said this to you. Um, I, I actually thought that City might have a bit of a maybe a mentality issue after after getting you know you know, beating in the Champions League. And I thought, shit, this could be really interesting now for the title race. But to see them come out and hammer, I mean, absolutely hammer Newcastle. Was... Yeah, but see, the, the thing about it, Ian, as well, if we had went out and bet Tottenham, that might have had a different effect on it. The fact but that the, we drew but... with Tottenham also boiled them up a little bit No, as well, no, but, you know? but, you know, I get that. And I do, I hear what yeah. you're saying there, but you have to hand it to City as well. Like, I mean, oh, 100%, 100%. Yeah, they, but they, I, what, what I'm saying is, the fact that we drew with Tottenham as well boiled yeah, them up you, a little bit as kept, well. If, if we had a punt Tottenham four nil, yeah, then that might have had a different effect on Al, the game. Even, even if you had a one two one, yeah, regardless, it was three points and, and it would have kept the pressure on. Them. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. To, and to be honest as well, like I wasn't expecting Newcastle to go out and beat City anyway. I was hoping more maybe for a, a, a draw, draw or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Maybe that was the case. But I thought I'll be honest out. with you. I thought Liverpool. I actually had. Uh, I lost a few quid as well, not as much as Dazzler, but. I, I lost a few quid on um I won't say nothing, don't worry. Um I, I, I definitely lost a few quid on, on always on gamble responsibly. Yeah, please do. <laughs> and also Diageo. <laughs> don't, is he Liverpool's don't, new soil, is he? Don't don't gamble, don't gamble while on Diageo. Um no Well I wasn't on it, so and I still made a bloody tip myself. Oh, no, neither was I. I was actually very fucking... Well, I thought I was being calculated. Um, but no, like I, I, I was the same. I remember saying to the lads, going, ah, don't worry about it. You know, Liverpool are going to absolutely spank Tottenham later, you know, because that would do us a favour. I was like, I was sure of it. So I was like, Grant, not a bother. Hmm. Fucking... Yeah. yeah. Now it is be, what it is. Liverpool let a lot twists, of people though, down this week. There'll be a few more twists, like... The, you, they still have to go to West Ham. Yous are playing Villa now tomorrow night. That'll be a tricky enough game as well. So it's, it's not over yet. Jared might, uh, Jared might do a favour. I don't know. We, we, we shall see. We shall see. But, you uh, need two favours now. That's the problem though, isn't it? Well, yeah. we need we need one and a big swing in the goals, don't we? Which is two for me. Well, yeah. not necessarily. I mean, if we went out and we bet Villa 3-0 tomorrow night and West Ham were to beat City... By two clear or Wolves, I think it is first where to beat City by two clear goals, then we're back on top. So it's it's tight and it's 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 a prayer and it's light a candle and cross everything and touch every bit of wood in your gaff. But let let's see. Should have told me that I just blew the candle out. I won't be touching any wood behind me now after you say that. I'll be fucking staying away from the wood. (laughs) Basil, do you reckon that's real wood? This. Hang on. Oh, the, candle, the, camp, the, camp, the candle's back on. Happy days. There you go, look. 
you reckon that's candle. a real candle? Darren, candle. No, it's Darren, not. Darren, your fans won't be happy you lighting the candle for Liverpool. He's not. <laughs> it's a fake it's a candle. Fa- it's a fake candle, look. That, that'll work for me. I don't care. I, it's I'm the same as my real. fake wood. <laughs> anyway, let's let's get into some of the hot topics. We've already spoke about the title race. Um, Arsenal in pole position for a top four. I like that. <laughs> Faceless. <laughs> Arsenal, Arsenal in pole position for the top four. I suppose we have to put a bit of respect here on Arteta, don't we, Mark? He's done a great job at Arsenal. Yeah, oh, Mark's absolutely. the Arsenal man. Oh, well, considering like when Solskjaer was getting the sack in October, there was talk of Arteta from some some angles of the the Arsenal fans. But like he's gotten them playing really good football. Older guy. I heard. Been... I heard Solskjaer was getting the Arsenal job when Arteta got the sack. That's how bad it was. <laughs> And Arteta was going to get the United job, was he? Oh, <laughs> he God, I wouldn't wish that on him. I wouldn't wish that on him. Little the switcheroo. But uh, you look at the players he has, like Martinelli, Odegaard, Saka, Smith Rowe. Like there's been times Smith Rowe's been like against Leeds, been starting on the bench. Yeah, you know he hasn't even getting a look in. But uh, I will say again on Saturday against Leeds, if I was an Arsenal fan, I'd be expecting a lot more. Tune in up after ten minutes, and then obviously after half an hour, these go t- ten men down. And by the way, Rafinha, I thought was lucky to stay on the pitch as well, um, the, with his antics with the uh, referee. But yeah, no, he's he's done an excellent job, and he's gotten them playing good football. So see, I, I I see that the other way. I would have said if the ref wasn't so shit, fucking Rafinha wouldn't have had to get in the bleeding face. Yeah, but that's oh. a, you can't react like that. There you go. You, you can't know, react like that, like, you know. He was like just there has to be a level of professionalism oh, oh, yeah, in the referees, and they're so far off it, it's actually but, scary. It's, it's, do you know what? You, you, you know, that's not right there, Mark. In fairness, like we're just told to respect referees, just respect them, respect them because they're authority. But if like there is such a fucking decline. And it's every season that we have this conversation in their respect also towards players. And oh, the, the I that. So, uh, like, how well, do you... In, and we're fair, certain, sorry, fair. and just to put across before you go, Marky, we're certainly not advocating no. for guys to go out and treat referees that yeah, way. No, and, you know, it's, it's very important. And stuff well, at, at, the, at the start of the match, like, you not, like, I'll get the two captains in and say, lads, any grievances, I only want to hear from you. It shouldn't yeah. be from another player. The captain should be up there getting him away and the captain speaking to the referee and the referee giving him an explanation. Mm-hmm. Now, listen, the minute I seen that tackle, I knew it was a sending off. I didn't know what he was doing. Like, you know what I mean? He left He left with two feet off the ground. The referee's got a good view of it when you see the replay as well. I didn't think there was a knee for him to go to the VAR, but I just thought his reaction... It was was not acceptable. Like he could have been sent off two yellow cards. Like um, I think it's shocking. The ref needed to go and look at VAR. Oh, for that. Absolutely, like absolutely shocking. Like if yeah. that was in Bladen Cobra Coy, you know, like that was what a bad tackle that was. And what was Aiden thinking? You know, like, but what, that's that's like, the ref. But that's, that's, that's the ref shirking his responsibility and giving it to VAR to make the decision. Giving it to VAR because you know what yeah. the little fella in Stockley Park he'll tell me. Doing a great job, Johnny. Keep up the good work. Go and have a look at the screen. Take out the red, and everyone's good. Grow a set of balls, ref. Will you well, here's, the, here's the thing. Send Lads, up the shower. Here's man. the thing. I said this before it's to you, wet. Mark. Right? It's fucking, and this irks me to a point where I'm actually fucking fuming most of the times. What, like, if the referees really want to be that fucking, they are the center of attention. A lot of them, especially in the Premier League, lads on on bigger money now than I suppose the the lower level. And I'm not again, I'm not disrespecting 
It's not by that much, though. It's not by that much in fairness. No, but at the same time, if they re- they should. I mean, they are protected so much that if you even say a thing about them, that's it. You're fine by the FA, and that's it. Don't question their authority. You know what I mean? Mm. It's it's getting to the point now where I believe a referee should have to come out and fucking explain their performance the way a manager absolutely explain absolutely. and go. Why is that not a red card? Why mm. is this? Why why is that not a goal? Why yeah. why did you know what? go and look at far? I actually think that would help to create a much better relationship yeah. between the referees, the players, the clubs, and the fans because absolutely. Like here's the thing: if if the ref comes out after the game. It's, it can change the decisions. Decisions are already, they've already been put to bed. The game is over. Nothing can change it. If he comes out and he says, you know, listen, I've, I've, they might show him a few clips as they're going through it. Ref, first half, here's a clip of the penalty. What do you think? You didn't give it. Ref looks at it, he goes, got that one wrong. Right? If he says he got it wrong, all of a sudden he's holding his hands up. He's not just sitting in his ivory tower saying, well, you know, letter of the law says, bloody blah. Like we need people to come out here and be honest yeah. and, and put forward, you know, this is why I did what I did. This this is why I didn't give the penalty. This is why I did give the penalty. He might there might have been something going on in the game where he had said to somebody, you know, from a corner situation, you know, I've told such and such not to put his hands on him twice, two, three times, and all of a sudden, you know, boom, he's done it again. So I've called the penalty. Where it's, you know, it's it's on a tally rather than a one off situation. Mm. He can explain that. He can't exactly. explain oh, that. Yeah, he no, come out and I, say a word. I agree with you, Dazzle. Like before VAR came in, like there was talk of it, and you know, I always say, and I've said it here before, human error. You know, you, you make mistakes, especially the, the pace that the Premier League is played at. And um, you know, it's obviously different when I go with referee 17s, 18s game or whatever it is. But the pace is, uh, is such that you know, a, a player fall over with the you know a brush of a little shoulder, or whatever, and you have to make a split decision. And I always go with my good decision anyway, whether it be right or wrong. Now, listen, I've made mistakes in the pitch and I hold up my hands up and I say, listen, lads, from the angle that I was at, that's what I interpreted. Do you know what I mean? So obviously now with VAR, though, it's changed because there is that time limit. There's the replays and stuff like that. But as we've seen, the referees can still get it wrong by using the VAR. And it's, listen, the FA have always protected the referees. If you if you actually like listen to Graham Paul or Jeff Winter coming out now and doing interviews, they can actually speak the truth and, and but they say also what was admit they also admit that they favoured certain clubs and all before and they haven't mentioned it. No, that, that, that's what I'm them. saying. That's the FA <clears throat> protecting. Do you know what I mean? So, oh yeah, no, a hundred percent. Because I, I was looking at the game right during the, uh, on Saturday, for example, right and. Um, now, I, I said it at the start, no excuses for Chelsea at all, fucking drawn to, to all. And I think Wolves absolutely deserve the point. However, when you look at, like, why is it taking, like, five minutes going over a bar decision of a ball hitting a knee from, like, Lukaku into a Loftus-Cheek goal? Why is it taking five minutes to make that decision? Do you know what I mean? And then going, oh, no, we've cleared that decision up. Oh, yeah, but hang on. Let's look at it from a different angle. Like, no, I'm not just saying that for me. You know, Asler likes to mess with me and go, but the conspiracy theory happens. No, no, no. But, but you can see, you, but you but can see where that lends itself to. Yeah, what, what you're saying is right. <clears throat> and, and I think that goes back to what Mark just said there. You know, in a, in a game situation, he goes with his gut instinct. Now, when all of us four watch a football match and we see a VAR decision and they show us the replay, 
straight away when they've shown us the first replay, we've made a decision on that. We've gone, he's off, peno, no peno, offside, whatever we've got. And how many times would we make that split second decision? Have we got it right? Are we at 90% probably? Nine out of 10. Maybe, Nine out of 10, right? yeah. Absolutely. So there doesn't need to be the level of criticism on the decision that it's taken to, to get this amount of time, you know, mm. to, to get to four or five minutes. Like, that's ridiculous. Yeah, I then so, you're I, looking for reasons to take goals away. Or you're looking, exactly. rather than, is this, as the question is being asked, a clear and obvious error? Mm. If you look at it and you think straight away, no, that's a penalty, then it's a penalty. If you look at it yeah. straight away and you think, not a penalty, it's not a penalty. Don't keep looking, looking, looking. Don't keep looking to try and have somebody change your mind from, you know, the 14 different camera angle you've got to see in, you know, a minute yeah, and a yeah. half. Like, that's not it. That's where the tinfoil hat then comes in with people. Do you know what I mean? I know for a fact, though, there, at every Premier League game, there's obviously a referee assessor from the FA uh, and they all meet up after the game. So I know for a fact, because it happens over here in the League of Ireland, the assessor will turn around to him and say, right, uh, Michael Oliver, why did it take you six and a half minutes to reach that decision? And he used to give an explanation. Well, there was a certain player blocking my view or the angle or something like that. I'm not saying, it, it, you know, that's, but he, he'll have to justify the, the amount of time it took from the, the minute the, the ball stopped, the game stopped, to the, it, it being uh, started again. So he has to give that. Well, even that's ridiculous because he's, yeah. he's having yeah. to tell the assessor, well, actually, the system you're giving me means it takes this long for the decision, for us to come to a decision. Whereas if you make things a little bit easier for us and you pair it back, like, I mean, for me, maybe there's a call for when we go to VAR that they can only see a certain amount of replays. They can only see, you know, two different angles and they can only see them once each. And after that, yeah. what have you got? Well, and not only and that, lads, put down, You know what I mean? Yeah, no, and not only that, we're, we're going to see it now in the World Cup test. It is the communication between the referee and the VAR team as well. So, that's going to help a lot as well to understand Hope what that the conversation help. is. That will help Hopefully. massively the same way as mm. the TMO does in rugby. Mm. Exactly. That will help massively. A one guy is explaining what he can see and he's going, well, I can see X, Y, and Z. Mm. And everyone in the stadium has their headset on. They're going, did you hear that? He yeah. just said, your man over in the left there, his knee is off so, and it makes the whole thing much easier. We need, to, we need to get back to the benefit of the going to the four player because it's not it's not good enough for a certain team to like have one player with his finger a fucking nail offside. And that's given as an offside because it's a top team. That goes for Chelsea, that goes for United, that goes for Liverpool, that goes for anyone. Mm. But then a Brighton or, or a Norwich getting a, a goal reeled away. Yeah, yeah, We're not a big team anymore, and we don't get decisions like that, man. Well, no, you know, that's about, that's about <laughs> nailing down the law instead of amending it. Exactly. All the time. They that's have to all I'm saying. And saying. That's what that is instead <clears> of amending it. And everyone's confused, and even the officials, you know? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Fair enough. We'll move on from that anyway. Uh, the relegation... way, that, that started with Arsenal and uh, Arteta and it led to that, so apologies. But it's every, it's every week, though. That's that's the worst part about it, that we're talking yeah. about it every week. Absolutely. Every week there's a decision, yeah. you know. In terms of top four, who, who do you feel is going to get there? Mark, who do you feel is going to get there looking at it? Uh, oh. I'd say Arsenal, uh, Chelsea, the way it is now. Like. Okay. Darren? I think it's going to be very close because I fully expect Spurs to beat Arsenal in the derby um, and that's going to make it 
that's going to make it, you know, squeaky bum time on the last day of the season. And, and Everton are at the Emirates that day. And, you know, Everton might still need points. And we've seen what they've done recently, you know, and to, to claw points off some of the bigger sides. So, Super frank. <laughs> you know, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be interesting. Um, relegation. Let's try and tie this down. Mark, what, what are you thinking on relegation? Leeds in serious trouble? Yeah, but Burnley have a few tough games as well. You know, they are they went on a little run there of three three wins and I know obviously they were beaten by Villa the weekend. That was I was bound to gonna happen at some stage, but I don't know. I think Leeds, me go to saying Leeds, but Burnley could be dragged in there as well. Darren. Yeah, I think Leeds are gonna really find it difficult. They've got a uh, Chelsea, Brighton and Brentford left. Mm. Like Conceivably, I could see them maybe getting three points out of that. I think Chelsea and Brighton could very well beat them. And if they beat Brentford on the last day of the season, will that be enough to to secure safety? I'd imagine probably not. And now Ailing with the suspension and Stuart Dallas out in well, big and, players. And, and Ailing and Dallas are two of their week to week performers. You know, two of the guys that are there every week in the trenches for you. Two of the two of the absolute standouts for Leeds. If you're asking me, under Bielsa, and and since Jesse Marsh has come to take over. You know, yeah, absolutely. Um, let's move on and switch it up a bit about Chelsea here. Um, in me and you have spoke at length about this Todd Bowley deal with Chelsea, um, but I'd like to get the thoughts of the boys. Mark, what what you thinking on this Chelsea takeover with Todd Bowley? Yeah, seems to be in the bag now, doesn't it? What who's he part? The LA Dodgers or something? I was reading yeah. there, was it? Yeah. Well, he, he, like there's seems to be a, a trend with the American owners, doesn't it? That it's a little side venture for them. It's not their main kind of bit of business as, as we found out and obviously FSG as well, but... It's a different kind of deal, this one. No, we know. Oh, That's what, what's it, 20% or something? <clears throat> that he's um, going to have... No, he, no. Owns, he owns 20% of the Dodgers. Yeah, no, but that's what I'm saying. Uh, with this one, is is how many is in the syndicate or whatever? It's 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 forty. It's forty for him Four. and his consortium, and then Clear Lake Capital are the same. But uh, as we know, they called it the anti glacier. Um, <laughs> that's yeah. No, like like I said, it just with, with American owners like myself, Dazzler, Noel at times as well. It hasn't. It's left a bitter taste in their mouth without them, but. Um, obviously you seen him at the match there the other day he was showing some emotion when Cody scored that that equaliser so um, it's going to be interesting times for you you know you, you look at it what everything that's happened this season and you, you, you think about you know at the start of the season you think you'd end with no Roman and then a new lad coming in from America you never would have thought that at all but um, you know uh, listen if, if he comes in and they invest um, you you know, you just have Champions League football. Like, I can't see why it's not going to work out, you know? Yeah. Darren? Um, yeah, like, I, I suppose, like, Mark, you know, they're Americans. They know absolutely fucking nothing about football, which is the fourth problem. And they haven't just proved that at, at United. They've proved that at Liverpool. They've proved that at Arsenal. They've proved that pretty much everywhere they go. Mm. You know, they're making absolute bags of something along the way. Um, through their inferior knowledge of, of the game and stuff like that, you know. I think th- there's going to be a lot of decisions made around Chelsea now, which I think the fans will find quite difficult because obviously under Roman, you know, decisions were always made with a footballing nature. Um, I, I don't think that's going to happen. 
uh, as much as it has in previous years. I think there's absolutely going to be, you know, you're going to have a guy thinking about this from a business side of things rather than just, you know, from a you know, from an emotional side where an owner owns a club and he wants that club to be the best and stuff like that. You know, like we, we've spoken about it before, like Roman was a fantastic owner for Chelsea. You know, like the bloke or not like the bloke, he was a fantastic owner for Chelsea, he really was, and he's brought them so much success since he's been there. I just think it's going to be a reality check under these Americans, I have to say. Um, I don't think necessarily, you know, that endless pot of gold is going to be there like it has been over the years. Um, I think obviously the Champions League football is, 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 is a guarantee. And obviously, you know, location-wise, who's not going to want to come to London? But I still think, you know, you know you've got to you've got to do other things to attract big big players and and, and be and be part of the part of the conversation you know yeah what i suppose the advantage for the bowling group coming in is that they have the they have the advantage that they've seen where fsg has turned wrong at times they've seen where the glazers have gone wrong they've seen where the cronkies have gone wrong and i'm sure they can pick up on that and look at that and and and, and learn from those experiences um, they've obviously, as part of the deal, earmarked a lot of money for investment, both in the squad and infrastructure at all levels in the club and stuff like that. Uh, something in the region of about one point seven billion, I think, has been earmarked in the in the, the capital purchase for that. Um, but I suppose the fact that they're going in there with that clause as well, that ten year clause, brings a level of stability in there as well. Um, so I think it's going to be exciting times for Chelsea. Obviously, myself and Ian have done a show on it, and I dropped a show on it as well, looking into the background of this Bowley group and stuff like that and the brands they're associated with. They're, they're, they're involved with serious brands and stuff like that. Yeah, I think, I think I'll just drop it in there as well, because yeah. I understand with the boys, that would, that would have been my concerns. Uh, obviously, the boys don't have a, a, you know, an invested interest and probably have you know wouldn't have, have looked into it as much as I did because it's my club or whatever. Um, and, and they would have been the concerns that I absolutely had, you know what I mean, with American owners coming in. Um, I think, Noel, what you were about to allude to and what you so elegantly done there on uh, Saturday morning when you put up the, the history of Bowley and stuff, um, <clears throat> one of the things about, um, about this whole deal is, as I said, the whole dividends thing is just absolutely strong, and, and, and it kind of lends itself to what Darren said. Even in its final hour, Roman put in these clauses here that like nine out of ten owners wouldn't have touched. You know what I mean? No dividends to be taken out of the club, no debts to be put onto the club. It's literally a clean slate. Um, and I think the fact that the Bowley Group agreed to that and and still bought the club for four point four point two five billion is absolutely you know phenomenal. Um, I think what you're going to be looking at here is. There's, there's going to be money spent this summer. Obviously, there's going to be statements made. I think that's we, we, we've seen that. That's pretty much the narrative of all the the, the 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 rags and the media and stuff. And that's kind of been the narrative as well through the Chelsea supporters' trust, which I've kind of been privy to, to hear that they, they have a certain amount of money they're going to spend and, and they're going by what Tuchel wants this time. Um, because obviously they have a, a director of football in place. I think it's the guy that was at Monaco, Dazzler, you might know his name. As far as I know, he's been in conversation with Tuchel there for the last few months. The English guy that was working with Monaco there. Oh, for Mitchell. A while, oh, Mitchell. Yeah, yeah. So they reckon that's the favourite um, to come in as the DOF. Don't know how true that is, but 
that's that's the kind of word on the street that I'm hearing. I thought he was so, heavily linked with United. So, so I was going to say someone's got it wrong, so because he's favourite for United's director of football job. Well, there yeah. you go. So it could be could be wrong, or it could, it could be someone else as well. In fairness, I heard a couple of I heard Lewis Campos as well. In fairness, Dazzler. So I'm not I'm not you know I'm not I'm not dying on this hill on that one. Um, but what I do know is that they're definitely talking to someone that is willing to work with. Uh, with Tuchel the only reason I heard your man Paul Mitchell is because he did work with did he work with Leipzig for a while yeah he, he did a bit with Leipzig he worked, yeah he worked yeah, with Rangnick yeah. there didn't he? he did a bit of work yeah, with Rangnick there yeah. so maybe that's where that's coming from yeah but anyway the point is um, they're trying to bring in a proper infrastructure into the club and also have a dialogue with the fan base um, which is something that we didn't have under Abramovich it was kind of a uh, dictatorship in a lot of ways, you get what you're given and you accept it. And, and listen, I've no problem with that because, you know, nine out of ten times it worked out. But I think with the whole Marina Granovskoya, like, it, it's a perfect example. Uh, as as many great things as Granovskoya did, there was also fucking terrible things. Timo Bakayoko, case in point. Danny Drinkwater, case in point. Um, you know, there's so many players out on loan now and stupid signings that we did make that are now on the wage bill of Chelsea that we didn't need to make, you know what I mean? Because there was no proper director of football. And what, what I'm getting from these guys is that they want to actually have a proper director of football. They want to, they want Tuchel to be the main guy um, and kind of his say be a big say, you know? So I think we're, I think we're going to see the days of managers getting fired in the fucking tunnel, uh, like Ancelotti gone. And I think we're going to see a bit of a more long-term project here. So, for, for that reason, so I'm kind of excited. And um, look, the boys have capital behind them as well. Um, I, 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 I 100% get the lads saying, look, American owners, it's it's straight away, it's, it's a bit of a turnoff. But um, I think you don't spend fucking 4.25 billion on, on a club. Um, I mean, it's the biggest the biggest deal in sporting history, pretty much in a sports team ever. So it's, um, you know, they seem to have a bit of a, Bit of a plan here, so look, we'll see. We'll Time see, will tell. Yeah. I can't guarantee that. Mm. It'll be interesting, anyway. Um, yeah, hundred percent. Let Let's change it up a little bit, Mark. The championship, yes. Fulham and Bournemouth. Yeah, well deserved by Fulham. Uh, waving at Norwich as they have been <laughs> the last few seasons. Um, yeah, it's, listen, it's been a, it was a great end to the season. Obviously, they won seven 0 against Luton last week, and. Fair play to Luton. They they earned their playoff spot. Nathan Jones done a really good job there this season. He was obviously uh, had a bad patch with Stoke last year or when he left last season. He drew too many games there, but he's he's gotten them playing um, some really good football. And Kenilworth Road has, has become a fortress for them this season. So I'm actually I was actually delighted to see them get into the playoffs. To be honest with you, and uh, same goes for Forest as well. Uh, Steve has them playing some had them playing really good football this season. They had a good run in the FA Cup. Obviously, uh, beating Arsenal, coming up against yourselves and stuff like that. The obviously your man Spence has, has been excellent. Brennan Johnson, you know, Yates, Gardner, you know, uh, Surridge. The the players they have is unbelievable. So I'm hoping that um either Luton or, or Forrest will follow Fulham and, and Bournemouth up, up to the Premier League. Luton won't be in the Luton won't be in the playoff one. This is I was I was about to get you to, to predict your 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 playoff final and eventual promoted team. Um, well Huddersfield will beat Luton over two legs. Forest will be Sheffield United over two legs. I think Forrest and then and, and and then you're gonna have Forest and Huddersfield 
it'll probably go all the way to penalties and someone will lose the lose nuts. Who, who's your preference, Darren, to go up as the third team? Forrest? Um, I don't mind, really. You know, I think... Um, I like Cuddersfield as well. Yeah, actually. like, I think, like, you know, Forrest are a, are a big club with a lot of uh, history, aren't they? You know, yeah. like, I don't think we'd... I think Forrest is a, is a nice idea for them to get back into the big time. But, I mean, like, romantically, you'd love to see Luton do it. I just think Huddersfield have been on an absolute unbelievable roll since January. Um, I've watched them a couple of times. I watched them today. They beat Fulham at home. They were unbelievable. Have um, you seen the boy? Um, have you seen the boy Caldwell play at the back? And um, they've Andrew? got they've got like four or five lads that you could just go, Jesus, the boy Harry Tafalo, the boy Sarba Thomas. Like they've just oh, got there's so many good footballers in the side, and they're they're. Yeah. They're tactically very, very good. You know, we talked obviously last time Huddersfield were in it, it was David Wagner. Mm. And, you know, tactically he was this genius and he was going to bring them to do this. Like the lad that's in charge at the minute is doing an unbelievable job with half the amount of noise that, that Wagner has. Um, I, I think it's going to be Huddersfield and Forrest in the final. And I literally think you could toss a coin on it. Um, you know. That's right. The only thing I'd say about Luton is that I think they do have a chance. Did you see them against Forest a few weeks ago? They won one nil. Uh, they were obviously down to ten men for about fifteen minutes or so, but I yeah. thought they played really well. They have that performance in them. Whether they did get you know get that performance out over the two legs is obviously another thing. I but think they the two definitely legs do have that them makes it, it difficult. Yeah, yeah, no, you know, did. yeah, at home as well, man. That that fucking fan base, that like that is a that like that is a raucous. Oh, like the stand is right on the pitch, like you, yeah, you, like, you know, you know yeah. all about it's it, right in you. But, and as well, with, listen, with Forest, like they're getting thirty thousand each week to the home games. Like it's not just these FA Cup games against I, Arsenal, and Liverpool. I watched like. the um, I watched the League One semi final earlier on, Sunderland and <clears> Sheffield <throat> Wednesday. Obviously, two former Premier League so it's and the commentator spoke about how Sunderland have sold 20,000 season tickets for next season yeah. and they still don't know what league they're going to play in. And you just thought, oh my God, that's scary. You know, that's really scary. It absolutely is. And obviously they're in the final now against Wickham and hopefully they'll get back up to the championship. Um, you know, they have a ridiculous fan base up there in Sunderland. Absolutely ridiculous. They deserve nothing more. Than, than Premier League football, if you ask me. I'd I love to, to see Wickham up there as well, though. I don't know why I've always had a little... Uh, I always like their colours. Just can't take... <laughs> I just can't take your man, Gareth Ainsworth, with the hair dyed off him. And it's like nearly down to his armpits, the leather jacket. You're like, love, Joey, you need to take a seat and get out of here, probably. Yeah, and I suppose that... that if we think back, that stadium alive was the first really nice stadium. Remember that was done it when was. they left Rauker? That's right. Remember, yeah. it was really, really cool. That's right. Remember when... Do you remember when, that was the same year they called themselves the, the Black Cats when they changed their... Their, yeah, their but you remember, remember on the old Sky shows, they used to have like the blip that would go around the show from the sky and all. Yeah. And it, was yeah. like a, yeah. it was like an alien mothership that had landed yeah. in the middle of nowhere. Ico Pro. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Mark, you didn't you didn't nail it down it, from a romantic point of view, I suppose. What's the head sign? The head is saying who goes up and the romance is saying who you want to go up. Um, my head is saying Forrest. Um, like, obviously, I love to see Luton and Forrest in the final, but... Uh, Obviously, it's a toss of a coin if that happens, but I'd like to see Forrest come back up. Yeah, cool. Right, uh, where am I now? Champions League final. Liverpool versus Real Madrid. 
Mark, I don't have to ask you where your colours are mounted. <laughs> or mine. Pro- probably yours. more probably more interesting the bleeding championship playoffs. Yeah. You're really. This is the life of a Man United fan now. I'm not surprised. <laughs> By the way, for any listeners out there that was wondering what who I wanted up, because I wasn't asked, uh, I'd love to see Forrest up. Just <laughs> that's, that's not a problem. I, I wasn't intentionally leaving you out. I just I went know to I'm wearing the colour, like, You know what I mean? I know I'm wearing the colour. So like, eBay. Don't feel left out. Don't feel left out. You've been included. <laughs> Here, listen. It wasn't that exciting. I was going with the Dazzler. <laughs> I think it's 50 50. <laughs> <laughs> in fairness, oh, yeah. in fairness say in our knowledge of the championship <laughs> we probably put it on the back of a stamp yeah I know the two players that play for Huddersfield that are on loan from Chelsea <laughs> <laughs> absolutely um, Mark Champions League final I, I know you don't have a card in the game except you'd obviously want Liverpool to lose but, but how do you see it going He's a red card in there somewhere yeah, yeah, don't, be, don't be using that analogy but well, listen um, yeah like if it depends again what Madrid show up. You know, we've seen we've seen like so many sides in them this season. The one without Ramos, thank God. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like in fairness, like they got through PSG, City, um Chelsea yes. as well. Yeah, I don't want to mention that, you know, sorry. But, it's all uh, done. It's all done. <laughs> and then on the Liverpool side, obviously he was out looking for revenge for a few years ago as well, you know. But you know, as a neutral, you just hope for an open game of football that Madrid are gonna win in the end. No. <laughs> who, who had the harder? Who had the harder run in to the final? It's just a question. It has to be Madrid, doesn't it? Yeah. I don't even be. think that's a question, is it? No, I wouldn't have thought so. I mean, in terms of how they've had to come back in games and who they had to face, yeah. I think they definitely had the harder run in. If, 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 right, I'm going to, I'm just going to say, why, my sorry, why, 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 why'd you, why'd you ask that? Well, that's all, you're obviously leading into something here. You haven't just thrown that out there. Well, no, I'll tell you why it does. It does fit, you know, my, my narrative here. Um, the reason I asked that question is because if it is a case that Real Madrid do win it, right? I'm not saying they're going to, but yeah. when they win it, I mean, if they win it, should I say, yeah. um, that will go down as one of the biggest Champions League run-ins of all time, won't it? Like in terms of, do you know what I mean? Just it'll be shown for the ages. The the comebacks alone, do you know what I mean? Will be will be. It's it, like the two teams that are in it deserve to be in it. There's no doubt. Do you know what I mean? They, they, they are. I don't think it matches up with the group of death we had in '99 and then we had Inter, Juve, and Bayern. Like, if I'm honest, to be the fair, yeah, the point. Zaggy had you dead and buried, and then fucking remember that Roy King goal? Oh my well, god, I, I would preface that, Darren. Was saying, that, was a ver- that was a very different Champions League back then, wasn't it? To what we get now, more exciting back then, though. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna lie. Well, well, when you, better, when you, when you standard, but when you Much think better. about when you think about back then as well, it was quite, it was quite predictable in terms of the big teams who were all playing really good football at the time, and you kind of had a feeling you knew it was going to go through. You wouldn't, you wouldn't go back then and kind of expect a Villarreal to come through and stuff like that with the if quality Rosenberg of their due. Yeah, yeah we were in that every. No, season. no, but what I'm saying is back then when you think about '99. No, I know. Uh, but, but look, where I was going with that was purely based on. Right, Madrid have had a fucking ridiculous like level of team to actually come by. And look, that's the look of the draw, whatever. I do, I think Liverpool have had a little bit of an easier run in. Not the Villarreal game now, I have to say, was was very entertaining. 
Um, both both legs and Villarreal really gave us a fucking scare. Um, and I just think I don't know. There's a part of me that just goes, "This is Madrid. like whatever." And again, no disrespect. Whatever way Liverpool fans feel about the Champions League being their trophy, you've got a team here that you're facing that's doubled the amount that you've won it, so it's their trophy. Like, I don't know. There's just a part of me that's like, shit, this is almost, as Gary Neville says, written in the stars for like a 2-1, like a 1-0 or a 2-0, and all of a sudden Madrid bringing it to extra time and just literally turning the Scousers' face the same colour. As their jersey, Darren, and, you're, yeah. ch- you're chomping there to come in, Darren. Go on. Do they Go do on, they do like. they have a fourth comeback potentially in them? Um, absolutely. I I don't know. You know, sometimes we look at things that have gone on over the years, and and it's only afterwards you look back and you see the sort of symmetry, the way things happen and stuff like that. Like, look at what they've done in the previous three rounds. Like, you know. The Undertaker's music told three times. <laughs> and all three times, Vince grabbed them by the collar and went, get back in there, you. So, like, you know, I couldn't say they weren't going to go out and, and give it a run. I t- I Look actually, at the T-shirt I can't no, wait wearing, to, He's wearing Tyson Fury. I like, can't wait to see it, if I'm honest. As you said, like, I don't have a card in the game. So, like, it's going to be a great game of football for the neutrals. Um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing... You know, the Liverpool front three against the Madrid back line and the Madrid front three against the Liverpool back line. And then the battle in the midfield there, you know, obviously you've got Fabinho versus Casemiro. You've got Modric versus Thiago. And then you've got, you know, Henderson versus Tony Kroos. And like, that's that's tasty as well in there, isn't it? I'm glad you didn't mention the one I'm most worried about. Benzema? <laughs> no. <laughs> Not at all. The the one I'm most worried about, especially after looking at Emerson Royale on Saturday evening, is Trent versus Vinicius <laughs> Junior. Well, that's listen, I'm then. really worried about that one. <laughs> that's that's gonna be like the two Brazilian boys. They can switch it over as well. Yeah. They can go on one side and 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 fleet back and forth and stuff like that. The the two Brazilian lads, as much as Benzema's taking the headlines, the two lads have been phenomenal. Yeah. Like the, and they've dovetailed when when Vinicius showed up, Rodrigo wasn't there. When Rodrigo showed up, Vinicius was having a bad game, and, and so on and so forth. It, shared it. They've shared it. If they both rock up on the day of that final, like but, that's that's gonna be that's gonna be tough. Yeah, it's the two best front three. I think actually, this is what re- really makes this an intriguing toy. Like it's the two best front three on their day, isn't it? Because you've got Benzema, who was possibly the best player in the world at the moment. In my opinion, he is. Definitely, I think he's he's, he's Ballon d'Or without shadow without just for me. If he wins um, the if, Champions League, he gets a hundred percent. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and then you've got you know you've got Salah yeah. who's had that kind of mad season as well, where you could say yeah he he could get it. You know what I mean? So it's it's like it's I'll be honest with you, it's not often you get the two out and out best teams. We got it last year as well, just in the Champions League. I think the two best performance in the Champions League were in the final last year. I think this year you've got the two best teams on the planet just in terms of what they do and both very, very different. And I think it's it's such an intriguing toy, man. Fuck me, it's such an intriguing toy. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. The best team will win and I think whoever wins it deserves it. And that's it. You know what I mean? No, no. No questions asked. Unless there's an advantage. <laughs> well, the thing about it is, as we've seen over the last few weeks, 
the best team doesn't necessarily win, but the best team, the, the team that goes at it and sticks in there and puts in that shift is, is coming out at, at, at the death. Not necessarily that they're the best team, but in those moments when it's time to show up in those last few minutes and come back into it and stuff like that, certainly yes. But um, there's, there's a number of times Madrid in, in the build-up to this final, they haven't necessarily been the best team. But they've certainly yeah. been the team that did enough and knew what they had to do to get through, even if it was clutch or last minute. No, do you, been, do you they've think, been do you, sorry, I was just, dogged. Sorry, Marky. No, I was they've just been gonna, so dogged. Yeah. I was just going to ask, Noel, if he thinks uh, a factor will be that Madrid have already won the league, but you are still fighting for the league. Do you think that will come a factor in, in the game itself? I suppose the, the difficulty with it being the last game for us is... If Chelsea were to beat us in the cup, if we were to come out of the title race and we were going into the Champions League final and the disappointment of the season of fighting on all four fronts and you're going in with just the Carabao Cup, mm. I think that could have an effect on it. Um, That's think, pressure, see then. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because the thing about it is, and, and, and I suppose you could look at it as well and go, you know, if you've been in a title race till this point and you even ended up with just the two domestic cups, you know what I mean? If you don't land the Premier League or you don't land the Champions League from that position that we're in, it's kind of a bit disappointing as well, even though you'd have two domestic cups potentially. Um, it would still be seen as, um, I think, a disappointment mainly in the fan base and stuff like that. Like if you're if you're a club where Liverpool is at at the moment, you, you ex- your expectation is to be in a title race too, as far as you can go to the death, mm. but also to be close to a Champions League final every year as well. That's what you're trying to do. That's what you're well, trying it's, to achieve. It it it's fine margins though, because let's be honest here, like you are in a title race. You're you're got you. You know, you, there's there's been a very small slip. More than likely, we'll go into the last day of the season where you know there's still a card on the table that Liverpool can lift the trophy. And you go into a final with Madrid, and on, on, on any given final, we know anything can happen. Like so, for you to go in with possibly two domestic trophies in the bag, maybe not win the Premier League, and then you know maybe not win the thing. Like it's very hard for people to say, like it it will be a disappointing season because you've had you know you've had <clears> cards <throat> on the table for absolutely the whole bag of marbles. Yeah. You know, that you didn't you didn't flop what you are looking for, mm. but. That's you know, you can't write it off either and go well. You know, it was a bit disappointing. Like we didn't get. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I, I th- what I'm saying is, I think initially there would be an air of disappointment, but then I think in the reality of looking back on things and going, well, look, we took a fantastic Man City side as far as we could, and potentially a, a title race, and and you know we got to a Champions League final. But I suppose the last time we won the Champions League, we lost the league by a point. And we went into that Champions League and we won it now. Real Madrid's a very different beast to Tottenham in that kind of respect. But I just think, I, I think, I think if you don't win a Champions League or you don't win a league, I think if you're if you're at that level, it's kind of disappointing. I think the domestic cups, as much as we love the FA Cup or the Carabao Cup or whatever it is, they're kind of secondary to that, isn't it? On your list, really. I get what you're saying, but isn't it a byproduct of being in all four that maybe you only end up with two of the lesser ones? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like if, if you're in if you're only in a title race, maybe you do things slightly different. Yeah, if you're but, only in a Champions League race, yeah, maybe you do things there. When you've got everything on the table and it's so difficult to get this far into the season and still have everything on the table, that just 
you know, every little mistake is just magnified. Yeah. You know, you're you're living in that goldfish bowl, really. Yeah, but but what I'm where, where I'm really coming from is if you're in that race for four titles, and you end up with title three and title four, and you don't end up with one and two, there's still gonna be a disappointment there. There is, you know, like it's all right know, looking back and going, it, look, we were on the cusp of a quadruple with three games to go, but we didn't know, do and, it, so it didn't listen, happen. I heard, I heard a Liverpool fan um early on earlier on today, and. You know, and, and he he paid, and this is exactly what he said to me. He said, he said, listen, big man, he says, we've got a dynasty here at Liverpool. This is, you know, one of the best teams we've ever had. He said, and so far we've won league title to show for it. He said, like, that's scary. You know, he said, because we possibly don't win it this season. He said, mm. sit here on the verge, it was, this was in, in the Haaland conversation. He says, yeah. sit here on the verge of bringing Haaland in for next season. He says, what's the likelihood we take it off from them? He said, pretty slim. He said, so all of a sudden, we've had the best Liverpool team we've had in 30-odd, 40 years. And all of a sudden, we've still won title level five years, six years, seven years. You know what I mean? Yeah. He said, like, we're playing great football. Everything's positive, he says. But you've still got to take those final steps. because But, that, yeah, that's, but that's what I'm saying. That, that kind to... of reiterates my point. You know what I mean? That, yeah, like yeah. If you end up with two domestic cups as opposed to a Champions League and a domestic cup. Yeah. You know well, what I mean? Or a Premier League especially... and a domestic cup. Especially when you look at, like, you know, United next year are going to grow. I'm not saying United are going to be in the race, but they're definitely going to strengthen. And um, with a new, look, look, this is a serious manager United have got in now. You know what I mean? You're going to look at the likes of ourselves then on top of that, going to invest in the squad. You know, you don't know what the next three-year build for a lot of the teams underneath. You know, Newcastle have money to fucking spend. So it's going to, like, these are the moments that count. You know what I mean? Yeah, I suppose I suppose where Darren's coming from though is if you're 100 quid in your pocket tonight and you're back in the winner of the Premier League next season, you're throwing it on City, aren't you? 100%. 100%. I mean, that's yeah. where you're looking. You're trying, especially if Haaland comes in, you're throwing it on City. So yeah. as we said in the in the, the group chat and stuff like that, it's up to everyone else now to step up and try and make that title race what it should be and stuff like that. But I, 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 do, I do think, I think, I think if I look back on the season, I think there's great moments in the season and stuff for us. But I think if we don't end up with the Premier League, which it looks like we probably won't, or the Champions League, I think to have won the Carabao Cup and an FA Cup, to me, that would be disappointing. But why don't, you, like why don't you finish off on the FA Cup, considering we won't? Because the next matchup will be... Well, well, there's no point in finishing up on the FA Cup because we're going to do a preview on Thursday night. Mm-hmm. And Dazzler is going to be hosting the show. So our viewers our viewers are going to be looking forward to that intro Darren uh, he's telling me today he's been practicing it I was working on it all day boys <laughs> so I that should be interesting um, just another while, while, while he was hitting it over the court he was like get the fuck <laughs> he was using the racket as a mic <laughs> <laughs> he's like he's got to come in like James E. Cornet back in the 80s Someone's Good asked him about their living. serve and he has the record of talking about the intro for the Upper Tier podcast and I'm looking at him. <laughs> we had a, a, a rain delay today. Oh, nice. Was Cliff so Richard had, there? So I had a whole... I, yeah, rain delay. So, you know, coaching didn't go ahead because of the rain. It was quite bad out there, you know, from half three to half four. So I spent a bit of time in the clubhouse working on my intro, so... That's why I was well. asking was Cliff Richard there because with all good rain delays, you know, in, in the sunny days that are supposed we to be. We are not going on our summer holidays, Ian. Put it that way. All right, my man. <laughs> my tennis club does not allow Cliff Richard near any of our kids. 
just throwing it out there. Because <laughs> he wants to put them in a, on a bus and bring them on a summer holiday and all. That's a bit creepy, Cliff. Keep it to yourself, pal, will you? Well, anyway, Ground, just... Grown-ass man. Just to let us know, tomorrow night as well, we're going to be doing a North London Derby preview. Um, and our good friend of the show, Morris Shorthall, will be coming on with Darren to do that. Um, should be an interesting yeah, no, one. Um, should be an interesting one. Uh, Morris from Cheapy Productions Podcast. Check him out over there on YouTube and stuff like that. Great guy. A big Arsenal fan. Has plenty to say about Spurs. Doesn't pull his punches. Um but seems reasonably happy with the progress that uh, Arsenal are making. Um, and a, sh- a shout out to you, Ian, as well. He um, he fancies coming toward. He fancies coming toward in the league. He says, I asked him how. I asked him today how did he feel about the top four race, and he said that he feels like they're going to be toward. Yeah, typical so, Arsenal fan. Well. Full of shite. Yeah. <laughs> well, until next time, lads. That's extremely deluded, isn't it? Though. Yeah. To think you are gonna you are gonna finish toward like you'll you'll do they'll do very very well to hang on to fort and he's like this is typical Arsenal. I'm oh, yeah. looking at the fella above him and and the boys behind nip in and take the spot and he's going are we in the conference with United again fucking anyway. You know what? They, they actually they actually have. I'm, go, I'm gonna house that show tomorrow night because you're gonna have to take the Spurs side, Baron. I'm <laughs> absolutely okay. With you know that. what? Maybe I'll just. Fucking nip in. No, you're barred. No, you're barred from that one. You can't get involved. Why is that? No, you're not allowed to get involved in this one. <laughs> oh, is that because London is blue? I forgot. No, it's because you have correct. to hold your water for Thursday. No, well, I don't need to hold that in for Arsenal. As far as you kidding me, London is blue and they know it, so it's grand. We shall see after the leads on the derby. Anyway, where it all lies. Well, I know we're going to win now. <laughs> Morris just jinxed his own team. <laughs> Until next time, lads, this has been the Monday Mashup. If you want to contact the show, the Upper Tier Podcast at gmail.com, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, the Upper Tier. And you'll also find us out there on Twitter at the underscore Upper underscore Tier. Audio versions show Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Amazon Music. And we will be back this week with match reactions, previews, Beat the bookie, Darren, for the Sunday. You have to do a beat the bookie and a Premier League preview. Oh, champions! Yeah. Beat the bookie, or as the uh, coaches call it, beat the arse off the bookie. That's it. <laughs> Till next time, lads. A pleasure. <laughs>